Radhika Jones, editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair. If you enjoy binge-watching the best TV shows and love hearing from the actors and showrunners who make them happen, then subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our Hollywood reporters take you behind the scenes of the year's most anticipated projects, the industry's biggest moves, and the hardest-fought awards races. From The Crown to The Real Housewives, we've got the inside scoop. As a special thank you to our still-watching audience, we're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. Thank you all for making it. We're going to be the number one media conglomerate in the world. The key here is act like a happy family. We're the Osbournes, and I'm Daddy fucking Warbucks, okay? I always wanted one of you kids to take over. People would do well to remember there's going to be a new sheriff in town. Here's to us. Hello and welcome back to Still Watching Succession, an unofficial podcast about the HBO series Succession. I'm Vanity Fair senior writer Joanna Robinson. And I'm Vanity Fair chief critic Richard Lawson. Uh, each week what we do on this episode is break down the latest uh, installment of Succession going through the highs and lows. Something we've decided to do this season is sort of rank the Roys and their associates. So we will be getting into that in this episode where we will be discussing Season two, episode six, our Jesties, and only that, nothing beyond that. Only uh, our Jesties, no one else's Jesties. <laughs> Just us. Uh, before we dive into sort of our ranking, uh, I want to hit on a few quick emails that we got from folks. Um, the first one is from Johnny, and Johnny writes in to say, this is sort of in a this is not about the most recent episode, episode five, but about episode four with the, uh, the sort of gun scare at ATN. And, uh, Johnny writes, um, one element of the Greg Tom fight was the way Tom struggles with guilt when Greg shows signs of a conscience by asking to leave and then is instantly relieved when he discovers Greg is blackmailing him and is in reality just as scummy as the rest of the pack. And so something I wanted to, ask you about Richard and sort of keep in mind for this episode is who in this family actually has glimmers of morality and when do those glimmers of morality or conscience like surface and when do they submerge? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I think Greg certainly, yeah, because, you know, predicated a lot on that episode where he's like, I just didn't want to work for this aspect of the company. Um, he still does want power in a company that, that is, you know, owns that news network. So he's still, you know, a compromise, certainly. Um, but I would think, I think that in this episode, Argestes, um, I feel like you see a little of Kendall's awareness of the contemporary sort of discourse, I guess, you know, where he's just like, we have to actually face the scandal in an appropriate way. And, um, while everyone around him is kind of more being a little bit, well, a lot more cynically strategic. So I don't know. I think maybe Kendall has at least yeah. some glimmer of, of, uh, of principle. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. We'll, we'll talk about it more specifically, but I think it's interesting that, you know, Shiv is brought in as this, like, the woman on the, on the job. And it seems like if, if anyone has an attachment to actual morality in this discussion is Kendall. 
which is maybe surprising, maybe not, but yeah. Um, and yeah. Shiv being shrouded out reminded me of that, the, the email that was at Lisa Bloom, the attorney sent to Harvey yes. Weinstein, where it's like, you know, just because someone is a woman, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be, uh, you know, you're sort of, uh, on the right side of things, let's say. But what's interesting, so in, in my interview with, um, Jay Smith Cameron, who plays the great Jerry last week on the podcast, um, we were talking about the fact that her character was originally written as a man, Jerry with a Y, so Jerry with an I. Um, and then when she read, they, you know, the, the show writers realized that oftentimes powerful men, um, in business or in politics have a right hand woman, like a fixer, fixer sort of to help them out thing. And not that Jerry is as scummy as like some of them, but Lisa Blue is one of the people that came up sort of like Lisa Bloom as this shield for Harvey Weinstein. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's a, that's an interesting conversation to have around Shiv in this episode. Uh, We got another email from Allie who brought up the idea. I don't know if we talked about this as a possibility for like what is going on with Roman and Jerry and Roman's um, sexual proclivities, but she flows the idea of an edible complex, Mm -hmm. um, which I don't know that we specifically named, but I think that's a really credible idea. Um, we've met their mother played by the great Harriet Walter. She's a very cold and withholding person. Jerry, who is not like exactly maternal, but is at least warmer, um, you know, and, and seems to, you know, we've seen some slight maternal behavior from her. Like there's a scene where she's buttoning Roman's shirt for him and stuff like that, you know, like that, that is something that he is, uh, compelled by in her. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the last, uh, email we got, I, I, I don't think that you and I, um, have had a chance to correct this, but I think in an earlier discussion we had mentioned, had, we had wondered, had we ever met Mo before who was Mo? Uh, turns out Mo is actually named Lester and that we did get introduced to the scumminess of Lester in season one when Tom took over. Um, and shredded all those documents around cruises. So the, the mis, like the bad deeds that happen associated with cruises center on this figure of Lester. And that starts to come to a head in this episode. So yeah. that's, a, that's a correction from us. And Lester is conveniently dead. <laughs> yes. now, now, you know, he, he, he got away scot free because he, you know, he's dead now. So somebody else has to take the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So that is where we are. So we are going to start, uh, with our, uh, countdown of Roy's and associates starting with, uh, the person on the bottom because, oh no, we, we like to start on top because it's, it's fun to think about who is mm-hmm. coming out the worst in the episode. So starting on top is Nan Pierce, the great Sherry Jones. Uh, this is her second episode. Uh, she comes, she comes in with some great she says horse potatoes at one point and also uh what good good riddance to bad rubbish like i love her like fussy old um old worldisms or whatever um but she comes in they're trying to pressure to sign she wants to take her time a little bit she gets on the call with the cousins finds out that Rhea is working both sides of this deal fires Rhea and uh and walks out of there, wipes her hands clean of of the Roy. So I don't know if this is the end of the Pierce deal necessarily, but Nan uh emerges a bit on top here. What what do you think about Nan in this episode? Yeah, well I mean I think, you know, we we were talking about who has morals and I think that the um 
the Roy's are so confounded by someone like Nan and her family who for, you know, they, they, um, as we saw in the episode that's at their, their country home, they have their own kind of, you know, petty, ridiculous things, but like they do at the very least have the quality of their product to stand behind and be like, we have a principle, we have a line that we're not going to cross. And I think that Nan being able to throw that in these scheming people's faces and they're just so confounded by that, you know, I think that she definitely comes out the sort of moral victor, certainly. Um, I don't think that my guess is that this is like you said, isn't, isn't a done deal yet. I mean, or a done undone deal, but like, um, (laughs) you know, I, I, I think that she wins the week just because she got to spit the Roy's kind of ethic back in their faces or lack of. Yeah. Right. And, um, uh, yeah, I I mean, I kind of want this to be a done deal because I don't want, uh, the Pierce's associated with the Roy's anymore. But on the other hand, I want more Cherry Jones. So I feel mm-hmm. very sort of split about that. Um, uh, coming in right below Nan though is Shiv Roy. Uh, Shiv had a very bad time last week, um, at Turnhaven. Uh, and it turns out that the company really needs her in this scenario because of her gender. So she gets, you know, called up after first being shut out of this uh, conference and comes in and I think does a great job, but also ticks off her dad at the same time in the end. So um, Shiv was a Shiv with a question mark here at the top. What, what, what do you, why do you think Shiv belongs here at the top of the heap? Well, it's a tenuous number two, but like, I think it's, because she got brought in for this little secret meeting with Rhea, um, you see Nan during the, the panel that, that Shiv does with her brothers smiling at her. Like there's something about her that is still palatable to people. And I think the company, the, 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 the top brass at Waystar turning toward her and recognizing that they are so sullied and covered in the muck of all that they've done. And Shiv has avoided that, that that puts her in a really you know, position of power as they try to navigate a new, more, uh, you know, so socially justice aware era. Um, and, and, and Shiv is by no means, uh, you know, an angel, uh, but, um, she, she isn't quite as marked up and dinged and dented as these other men are. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting to watch Shiv in this episode. We talked a little bit about Shiv's look this season, right? She's got this like sleek bob. She's wearing this series of like statement trousers and stuff like that. And, um, actually one of our colleagues pointed out that she felt like Shiv was really, um, dressing for the job she wants. Mm-hmm. And we've been thinking a lot about what Shiv wants. But what I found interesting in this episode, she's in this private meeting with Rhea. And Rhea says, this, she says, uh, it's all gravy. And then Shiv uses that phrase, um, in the conversation with her father that follows. She goes, you know, use me or not. It's all gravy, baby. Like, I don't care. Um, and I just thought it was fascinating to watch Shiv try on another successful businesswoman's, uh, phrasing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This idea of like, can I pull this off? Yeah, I can pull this off too. I can, I can do a Rhea. Like, and, and it works for her. So I, I just found that fascinating yeah and i think she's high on her list also because she starts the episode down in the dumps you know she wasn't invited to this convention which i guess is supposed is a kind of weird amalgamation of davos and like the aspen ideas festival um you know these very exclusive richie uh kind of retreat things um so yeah she starts and you're like oh she's on the outs and then just over the course of one episode 
her value to the company is so plainly stated. Um, and yeah, I think that her look and her, her, her trying on these new affectations, uh, is certainly a part of that, but also, and you know, from, from our view out here in, in our world, not the world of succession, um, there, there is a tinge of the Ivanka in there too, which is right. not a good position. And well, we'll see how Ivanka fares once Trump is out of office, hopefully soon. Um, you know, because I know I, my cynical sense says, well, she'll just, she and Jared and all the other monsters are going to be welcomed back into New York society, but maybe not, you know, maybe it's too much of a blemish, you know, a sort of, there are too many terrible faux pas that, um, you know, Ivanka and her family have, have committed. I don't mean to reduce these bad things to faux pas, but you know, in terms of a societal outlook, uh, in New York, um, you know, so I don't know, Shiv, like, I feel like Shiv's power is always so tenuous because, the company is old and atavistic and there there's dinosaur thinking as she says mm-hmm. and while that might be on the outs in the long term in the short term it's still going to rear its head it's still going to assert dominance and shiv is absolutely uh someone who comes under that thumb you know yeah and one big um theme of this episode exactly what you're talking about is like what will <laughs> what's what's a, a taint so bad that it sticks to you Mm-hmm. What punches through is something that they say when they're reading this New York magazine piece. And I have a feeling that like, at least, you know, thus far, Shiv can come out the other side of this clean, but you know, we're, we've only just begun. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. You um, mentioned the New York magazine piece and I just, you know, a credit to this show's incredible, like really great production designers, you know, getting the intelligence or like they, it just, and the headlines were, were the headline and the, and the subhead were perfect. Yeah. They just yeah. really, really get, you know, the specific, the specificity of these things, um, you know, like an article like that, or even just how this convention, this conference is, is sort of set up and, and the Airbus, you know, community retreat walk or whatever, like all this stuff. It's just so on the nose. Um, and I, yeah, I really, I really appreciate that. It just makes the show that much richer. Yeah. I want to talk to the person who did the graphic for the top of this fake, uh, New York magazine piece on, uh, the cruises. Cause it's like a, it's a cruise ship. Uh, that says Waystar Royco on the side headed towards an iceberg. It's like this great design. The headline is Lost at Sea at Waystar Royco, Royco Culture of Abuse and Cover-Ups. And then the subhead is What Lies Beneath Unexplained Deaths, uh, Sexual Exploitation and Cover-Ups at Waystar Cruises. Um, it's, it's like perfect. I agree. And mm-hmm. like the, Kendall sitting there just refreshing his phone at the table was just this like, I, I don't know that we've talked before about, um, the attention to detail in, in, in like the, the internet startup episode. But this is once again, it's just like from all angles, they make sure they know exactly, um, the world that they're working in. Yeah. I've never I, been to Davos, but like, Oh, you should I, go. It's fabulous, honey. <laughs> oh, darling. It's the but best. Like, but like the Aspen ideas, like this idea of like, who's got the puffiest vest and the, and the best hiking shoes. Like it's just, there's so much good spoofing in this episode. It's so good. I absolutely loved, I'm recording this from the Toronto film festival. I was just at Venice film festival. I loved Nan's fussiness over the badge Yes, because I had you, you go to these things too, where you Uh have to wear a badge. And I, I'm the kind of like Nan stickler where like the minute I leave my last screening for the day, that thing comes off and goes in my bag. I would never be caught dead wearing one at a party. You know, plenty of people do it. It's, fine i'm not you know but like it's just like again another funny detail and i love that this season more so than the last in my memory anyway 
each episode is like, here's a different facet of this culture. We're going to yeah. go to the country home. We're going to go to this. We're going to go to that. You know, and I just think it's so fun watching this show explore uh, all of these things and doing it so credibly and with both, you know, sort of sober clarity, but also a, a tweak of satire. Like, I think it's perfect. I was going to ask you um, exactly that. I had a, a note to ask you what you think about the season being, yeah, each episode being centered around an event or a location um, and often named for that location. And I think that's a really, really clever. And um, because it, there's a the thing about the show, we had a, we had a piece um, up a few weeks ago on VF.com about sort of this uh, popularity of hate watching the rich um and and what that's about and and this is part and parcel of it you know because like the roys we can hate them we can feel for them and feel weird about feeling for them like all of that can exist but then we can also just like blanket hate a lot of the other people who are around them at these events right (laughs) we can just sort of be like the like the um what is it the airbus leadership hike or whatever it is you know like it's just it's it's disgusting and fantastic and i and i really love it and i think that you know succession is not the real world it's not a reality show but it's close enough to the real thing uh, at least my understanding of the real thing that like there is a sort of instructive value there that you know knowing about what this stuff is and and really i guess in a way understanding how the gears of power move and how these masters of the universe um operate amongst each other and what's you know and 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 how how you know incredibly omnipotent they are to some extent but how petty they are i don't know i i i think that the show in itself finds its moral footing uh even if the characters don't and there's also and this is i don't think this is like throwing our own brand under the bus but it also does something that i think vf has done for decades which is like invites the curious into this world of, you know, uh, high, high, high stakes, high, high money, you know, like, I, I've i always wondered what it's like inside of these, these certain things. And it, it'll, you know, the, yes, this is a fictionalized version. But once you see it, you can kind of be like, oh, yeah, I can see, you know, uh, this rich young man from Azerbaijan just like gives you a nod, and then you go into the bathroom, do coke with him. And talk that about happens. fucking like rigging the news <laughs> in favor yeah. of Baku oil money. You know, it's just like, yeah, that re- that is real. I mean, I'm not going to name publications, but like there are prominent publications that take money either from governments or from big companies, oil companies, pharma companies to run sort of sponsored content. And it's always, you know, couched as like, no, 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 it's, it's totally like, we're not, we're not biased. We're just for, we're just funding good journalism. And uh, the reality is something a little di- different than that, you know? I will say, okay, I will name names and, and maybe I'll get legal to check if it's okay that I do. But like, um, I just found this out about Politico. Like, I didn't know this, but Politico will have under their articles, like by the byline, it says like sponsored by certain companies. And oftentimes those companies are in complete, you know, um, they're too close to the content that political is covering yeah. that you're like, how can this possibly be? How can you possibly be operating with any kind of clarity around this? You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. All right. So, so that's Shiv. She comes in to sort of try to help them with this. She sits on the panel. She spots Tom sort of flirting with this other woman and, um, you know, she piss, she pisses off. Her dad maybe makes a miscalculation with that phrasing, the dinosaur hunt phrasing. But I think Tom is right when he says, you shimmered on that panel. Like, mm-hmm. she really did. Um, so, 
That's Shiv. And then we're going to hop one point down the list to Jerry, another woman on top three women on top this week. Um, Jerry, who has a way, this is, this is the thing I want us to keep an eye on for Jerry, which is the way in which she craftily dodges scenarios, smoothly dodges scenarios she doesn't want to be in. Something that Jay Smith Cameron said to me last week is like, basically, you know, if you're a Jerry, you don't survive this long in the company without figuring out how to like dodge and weave um, yeah. sticky situations. And so, you know, we can get to this whole like Jerry Roman scenario in this episode, but the the part that I was most impressed by is when they were floating the idea that there should be a woman on that panel uh, this new character played by Fisher Stevens, Hugo turns to Jerry and goes, Jerry. And she goes, Oh no, not legal counsel. That sends the wrong message. Shiv, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> just mm-hmm, like deflect, mm-hmm. but like, so like you agree with her. You're like, Oh yeah, that's right. But she does it so quickly. And then over to you, Shiv. And then Jerry never has to sit up there with the spotlight on her. And I think that that is just one of the many things that she does so well. Yeah. I mean, she kind of, almost pretends that she's Swiss and even though, you know, she's not and she has her own motivations. And I think that Roman coming to her with this proposition that they, you know, sort of team up and, and kind of ride the wave uh, together is interesting in that it reminds us that, you know, in that first episode of the season, like Jerry is sort of semi formally named as the successor with the understanding that that's not actually going to happen. And Jerry says as much in this episode, but the fact remains that she is still in that position and that these, these Roman, these, um, Roy kids who get, cannot control their impulses, even Shiv, you know, that they, they might, you know, if they kind of screw themselves up, if they, you know, hoist themselves on their own petards, uh, then Jerry remains the constant there. The, the one that everyone trusts, the one that everyone turns to, you know, um, you know, she may be a mole woman, but there's power in that. <laughs> yeah, so we've got this, this, uh, Roman and Jerry, like the, the continuation of their, of their dynamic. You know, it's not, it's not sexually explicit in this episode, but this idea that she's advocating for him, which she does, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. they want Tom to work this new guy, Edward, for money. And she's like, no, Roman, let's, let's do Roman instead. Um, so she's advocating for him. And then he suggests an alliance to her. Uh, and Jay Smith said a similar thing to me last week where she was just basically like, a thing Jerry doesn't know what to make about the sexual component of this dynamic with Roman, but she does see an opportunity for an alliance and a stronger position together sort of thing. Um, but Jerry's not fully hitching her wagon to Roman because when she has this closed door conversation with her, him in her room, she still doesn't know about the, the New York magazine piece and she doesn't tell him. She's like, oh, you still don't know? Oh, that's crazy. And she knows and she won't tell him. And mm-hmm. that's interesting because she's like, I'm still playing my cards where I need to play my cards. So yeah, yeah. Jerry, yeah, Jerry she's, Anton. she's a good player. She's a good player. She's the greatest. All right. So then we've got Tom. Tom, surprisingly high, except uh, <laughs> despite the we we here for you. Uh, <laughs> that scene on the bridge with Greg where he just like slowly freak, like, like his freak out just builds and builds and builds yeah. is so good. It's um, so good. And everyone should throw their Alexas in the bathtub and, yeah. or the garbage or whatever. Like just bad, Your bad, Alexas bad. Alexas are they, here. Alexa, it's here for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Go ahead. But, but yeah, we put Tom, um, this high for a sort of a silly reason in that like there is power in Shiv getting what I think is genuinely jealous. Yeah. 
And what's interesting about what Shiv says um, in that moment is she says uh, she has a face. Like this woman that Tom is flirting mm-hmm. with is not like a random cocktail waitress or what have you um, that Shiv would be fine with. It's like someone she knows and might encounter socially. And so this concept of like who has a face, who doesn't, which I think comes up again um, when they're discussing this article. What's the protein here? I mean, uh, we'll talk about like the next person on their list is Kendall. Uh, and, and so that's a good opportunity, I think, for us to talk more specifically about this article. Obviously, this article, uh, recalls a number of other media storms that you and I have lived through together during our time at VF, Richard, which is like, the Cosby or the Weinstein or Kevin Spacey or, or, or whatever it is. And what's interesting about all those cases, um, and even Epstein more recently, and what's interesting about all those cases is like, there were earlier articles <laughs> about yeah. these people. Yeah. It just wasn't a damn break in the way that we saw when they were eventually somewhat toppled. And even with like some folks, it's still a question mark of whether or not they're, you know, like Brian Singer. Did that punch through? Did the Brian Singer of everything punch through? So this question of like, you might have one person on the record. It might be a whispered around about thing about Lester, but do you have a Gwyneth Paltrow? Do you have, you know, do you have an Ashley Judd? Do you have who you need enough people on the record, the protein of the article to punch through? Do these women have faces? This is the concept that Shiv is talking about. She has a face, whereas Someone else random, Tom, you can screw her. It doesn't matter. And so Lester can, you know, you know, take advantage of these dancers on a cruise ship because they're not women with faces and they don't matter. And that's, uh, you know, just, just showing the way that Shiv has absorbed that Roy mentality, even mm-hmm. if she's considered quote unquote one of the good ones. So. Yeah. I think also, I don't remember if it's Shiv or someone else, but at one point they refer to, I think it's that woman Mia as a, a real person. Yeah. And the implication there being that like most people aren't real because they don't count. They don't matter, right. you know, which is a really chilling thing, uh, to consider that a lot of powerful people probably do think exactly that way. Um, and you know, that's, that, that's pretty dehumanizing for like most of us. <laughs> um, you know, and I also think that the way that this, that, that, that wonderful scene where they're all parsing the article and being like, okay, like what's actually the damage here is a really neat summation of how we, you know, in a broader sense, culturally process these things and, and, uh, and, and find, you know, deem one thing a bombshell, the other sort of a, eh, you know, and, and in, in that, there is a certain assessing of almost entertainment value, you know, like, like, mm. oh, this, this wasn't juicy enough. So like, right. let's dismiss its claims kind of, or forget them. And the news cycle will just kind of move on a little bit quicker than it would have, you know, like the, 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 the news cycle slowed down, you know, it was a hurricane planting itself on the coast when, when Weinstein happened, but then subsequent things happened with like the, the Atlantic's Brian Singer piece that Esquire had spiked and then Atlantic took it like stuff like that, where that just, that, that just kind of blew through the discourse really quickly. And yeah. I think that, that this show and that scene really illustrates that in a very sharp way. And it's something that, you know, once again, it, it, from an outside angle, uh, see, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be a person who has been written about in this way, thankfully, knock on wood, right? Um, mm-hmm. but we know as members of the media what it's like when, when something like, let's say, the Brian Singer Atlantic piece breaks, and then it's our job, um, to pour through that and be like, okay, what do they really have? You know, 
which is what they're doing here as well. It, it just reminded me of the work that we do sometimes when we're like, if we're going to re-aggregate this, if we're going to report this, if we're going to like have an opinion on this, what do they have that we can hold up as fact? And what do they have that is conjecture? And what do they have, you know, like um, that singer piece should have punched through in a way mm-hmm. that it didn't. And it really bothers me that it didn't, but like, it's not that they didn't have enough. It's that, uh, you know, and we've talked about this too. It's who they had, which is, you know, young gay men, which is different once again from having like a Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. And so it's, it's awful that who the victim is matters, but uh we have proof that that is true in our own culture. So, uh, depressing uh but true and and i just thought it was a really that scene is just really incredible because it reminds me of conversations that we've had not not from completely the same self-interested sort of point of view but needing to take off our emotional reaction to a story and be like okay critically from a media point of view what do we have here well yeah and i think that right now because of the internet obviously but also just the times that kind of where we find ourselves in uh there is a certain healthy amount of digestive selection that we have to make you know we can't we just our brains cannot process all of this stuff at the same level, you know, everything cannot be sort of received, um, with the same amount of intensity, um, and which is, you know, I think a, a practical reality, but it's also a shame because it means that certain things don't get paid attention to. Would a story about corruption or bribery or sexual harassment or whatever on the car- carnival cruise lines do well on the internet right now? I don't know. Maybe. But it would depend on, you know, who the players were and everything. So And how like honestly, how salacious the details. Exactly. Honestly. Yeah. I and mean that's that's yeah. depressing. Yeah. Um I think Kendall, we're on Kendall here for RMK. I think Kendall sarcastically calls it victim math, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's both depressing and very accurate. And then I do want to call out one other thing that Shiv says in that conversation. She says, We know it's not okay. We're preparing a corporate statement. Right. So she's yeah. not talking about emotional morality. She's talking about like, we know, we know some sort of handling needs to happen. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, creeped out by Shiv in this episode, to be honest with you. All right. Yep. So then next on the list, we've got Roman, uh, towards, towards the bottom of the ranking. He, he has a good, uh, conversation with Jerry, good opening salvo with this character. Um, Edward, Edward, we should point out, um, like I said, two two new characters in this episode, right? This Hugo character played by the great Fisher Stevens, Oscar winner, uh, Fisher Fisher Stevens, um, and then Edward played by uh, Babak Tafti is the actor, and um, he is this extremely wealthy uh, son of Azerbaijan, <laughs> mm-hmm. basically. And um, something I do love that the show does is these. You know, the Roys are very white. The Pierces are very white, but there's a number of characters on these shows like Stewie or like Lawrence Yee. They're like, Hey, the Uber rich and these Uber players are not all white people. Let's mm-hmm. just be real about the fact. And so I feel like there's an effort to be like, Hey, there's like, there is room for diversity in these power players and in, in this show. And so yeah. Like that. Well, as Greg says, I'm a big fan of your money, you know, uh, <laughs> as long as there's a lot of money. It, yeah. Um, exactly. But yeah, I think, you know, Roman, there's, I, I think he's toward the bottom because, you know, he sort of didn't really contribute much in that panel. You know, Jerry didn't quite give him what he wanted. Um, and then obviously Logan backhands him and 
knocks out a tooth. And I really found interesting in that scene, uh, Kendall's immediate Kendall, step yes. in and be like, no, don't do that. Which made me think, has this been a thing all of, all of Roman's life? And Roman tends to be the person who Logan most vociferously like points like his most immediate anger at, you know, um, he's sort of the whipping boy. Um, and probably because he's the sort of, you know, he, he speaks out of turn the most and whatever, but, um, you know, it was just that that was an interesting sort of quick moment that suggested a whole deep family dynamic, um, in a really efficient way. Yeah. And this emerges in the season one episode when they're in the sex club, Roman is like talking to Kendall about the fact that like he, they used to put him in a cage and make yeah. him eat dog food and stuff like that. So like this idea of Roman and his abuse. And yeah, I completely agree with you. This moment has a lot of power to me when Kendall steps in, says no, like a dog has just like shit on the carpet or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, no, you don't do that. Like this is this. Yeah, definitely. He's done this before. Absolutely. And it's a moment where Shiv and Kendall are willing to be there for for Roman in a way that like Kendall earlier wouldn't even tell Roman if he was wearing a jacket for the panel because he's like you know advantage and stuff like that. But then right. here's a circ a quick circling of the wagon that Roman then rejects. Right? Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. It's just a tooth. I'll get another one. And it's another moment similar to like Shiv and Kendall's hug earlier this season, where like you can see the potential for a sibling alliance and then it just falls apart. You know, they push each other away because they can't come together in this way. So, uh, speaking of things falling apart, uh, mm-hmm. our final two are, are pretty int- intricately linked. Yes. Uh, we have Re- Reyes next, right? Yes. Uh, so yeah, she, you know, for all of Holly Hunter's calm, cool smarts, um, she, she, <laughs> Rhea did not see this coming, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so Nan, Nan rumbles the fact that Rhea, like, had these meetings. Rhea, like, tries to deflect. Holly Hunter's like, you know, did you meet with, with Logan in these times? And Rhea's like, oh, well, eh, could possibly, we could have, blah, blah, this, uh, and, and doesn't make it through this one. You know, she, she gets fired. So there you have it. Um, and who knows? I mean, I, I hope that's not the last we see of Holly Hunter, but, yeah, um, same. you know, uh, that is a thing that has happened. And then, yeah, and then Logan on the bottom because he lost his, Pure steel and got called a dinosaur by his daughter. Um, and, and got made and, fun of by a comedian. And threw up in, in a water yeah, glass. Yeah. I um, loved to when, um, what's, uh, what's his wife's name? Darn it. Um, Marsha. Uh, I loved when Marsha was like, why, why is this entertaining? We're, we're sitting here being made fun of. Like, yeah. like just this complete <laughs> bafflement at like this roast. I thought that was very, very funny. Um, but yeah, also like, I, I know that they kind of stressed in the episode that there's no press at this event. Um, but like, Logan Roy screaming at a car that's driving away from him, you know, about like, we're not done. We're not finished. Like that's like pretty bad PR for the whole situation. The other thing that I couldn't help thinking of is when he vomits at the table in public. Um, it made me think of, of Hillary Clinton kind of like half fainting, um, you know, and I think she was at like a nine yeah. 11 uh, memorial thing. Um, this idea of like public enfeeblement, right? Like mm-hmm. of a, of a figure and, and what that means. Um, and I, I like this reminder, you know, I think it's out al- just altitude, right? I think mm-hmm. is, is sort of the explanation, but this reminder that like in season one, Logan was like peeing on random office carpets and stuff like that. Like that's literally something he was doing. So this reminder that like, of the physical frailty of this, of this towering figure, um, in this episode, I think is interesting. So 
That is our trip to um, our justies. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I mean, um, like I'm, I was surprised and excited that Fisher Stevens is here. I don't know um, how how you feel about that. Yeah, no, I mean, this cast, the show is so is cast so well right. um, with so many smart, um, interesting actors uh, that yeah, I mean, it, it it when he showed up, I was like, oh, of course, of course, Fisher Stevens is going to be in this, you know? <laughs> right. Um, they're just really calling from a great New Yorky kind of acting pool, and um, I love that. Um, the last thing I want to flag is um, I, I, what I've been thinking about in terms of Shiv, and this is just something to keep an eye on. Um when we were talking last week about women and wanting power, Shiv saying, I really want this, like, and watching her behave a- amorally in this episode, when we think of her as like one of the good ones, quote unquote, like, what is this the season that breaks Shiv? If last season was the season that broke Kendall, is this the season that breaks Shiv? I kind of thought she was broken last week, but she's not. So like, what are we watching Shiv hurdle towards? You know, yeah, I mean, I think she's just slowly shedding every sort of moral, uh, you know, uh, asset that she had in a, in a sense. And, um, my hunch is that at the end of the season, wherever, wherever it takes us, she will just end up, you know, down in the pit with everyone else. And then in a weird way has sort of rid herself of her only leverage, which we see her use in this episode. Yeah. So we, we will all eyes on, on the Roy's, uh, as they move on to whatever the next location is. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm enjoying wait. this tour of the, of the Uber rich and their, and their, the privileged class enjoying their privileges. Um, so until next time, Richard, where can people find you? I'm going to be at the Condé Nast Leadership Sweat Lodge, which I really mm. encourage you. It's great. Great of it wearing my badge. Uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be fun. And, and while in there, I'll be tweeting at Rylaws and writing for VF.com. Joanna, where, where will you be until next week? Um, I will be looking for people with actual faces because there's so few of them, you know, in the world, so few real people who matter. So I'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, condemning things and moving on. Uh, you can find me at vanityfair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe wrote this and we will see you next week. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Each story from our guests and listeners is totally unique and utterly personal. We love hearing about your first impressions when visiting someplace new. My first trip to the Patagonia region was on the Argentine side. I couldn't believe the expansive territory. It's like being in Tibet. The emptiness and the harshness really, I found transformative. Or a story told when safely back on dry land. You know, things happened every single day. I ran out of gas on a jet ski in the middle of the ocean. And I was like, what if a sea creature comes to eat me? But then I'm delusional. I was like, I'll make friends with it and it won't eat me. And maybe I'll ride that back to shore. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Join me, Lale Arakoglu, every week for more adventures on women who travel, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Want to stay up to date on the biggest stories in pop culture and entertainment? Then be sure to check out the TMZ podcast. I'm Charlie Cotton from TMZ, the TV show, and every day I'll sit down with a member of our news team 
to give exclusive breakdowns of the day's most talked about headlines, stories we break, and the stories you care about. So check out the TMZ podcast, Monday through Friday, and the other podcasts from the TMZ Audio Network like Last Days and TMZ Verified, available on all podcast platforms.